You're listening to the Gunslinger Podcast. When do we just start talking? I forget when we start talking. (laughs) Oh, wait. Not yet. Shut up. I wish I'd peed before we started this. And now here's your hosts, the Apostle and Green River. The, now's when you talk. Now's when I talk. That's right. Oh, welcome back, everybody. We said we wouldn't do another one, but you knew we lied. You knew we'd be back. We're well. We're just shameless uh, people who enjoy the the we, attention. We just wanted to build some drama. Yeah, you know, we're like Stranger Things, you know. We tell you there's another season. Well, you might be old by the time it gets here, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. they'll probably do it. Sure, you lost interest four years ago when it really kind of sucked the, the last two seasons, but, you know, you'll you'll be back. I thought the last but, season was pretty good. I just, no, I hated you it. You didn't like it? I hated it. Yeah. It was terrible. I just, but that was me. There's so much space between seasons yeah. with some of these new shows that I have to go back and rewatch like at least the last season to remember what the heck's going well, on. Well, I'm trying to think who I blame for this. You know, it's perfectly okay to put two year gaps between your shows. Yeah. Uh, maybe was it Game of Thrones? Did, uh, did they start that? No, they were about a year. Westworld did that. It was yeah. two years between every season of Westworld. By the way, if you've never seen Westworld, uh, watch the first season and then stop. and then stop. Yeah. And uh, you'll really enjoy it. Yeah. I blame Obama. You know. That's probably I have no justification right for that, but it just feels like a no, thanks Obama. I think that's yeah, I think that's moment. a good way to yeah. go. I think that's a good way to go. Yeah. I mean, it did kind of start in his term. That's true. That's uh, true. You know, up to that point, Americans put a show on every year, <laughs> and you could count on it. But all right. Well, anyway, all right. We, here we go. We're yeah. already headed yeah. down that path. Yeah. Welcome back, folks. Here we are. We're gonna we're gonna start out by discussing. Uh, Well, first of all, happy Halloween. And it won't be Halloween by the time you hear this, but we're recording this on Halloween. Uh, We are in costume. I am dressed as a ballerina. Uh, Be thankful that we don't do these on video. So, uh, but I'm like a dead ballerina. Is that weird? Uh, (laughs) The weirdest thing is I didn't realize it was Halloween today until you got here and told me. Yeah. So, well, I showed up dressed as Charo with the fruit basket on yeah. my head. So, I, you know, that was kind of it a was giveaway. A, it was awkward at first until we realized the outfits matched. Yeah. And then it wasn't quite so it awkward. Good. And then when we found out it was actually Halloween, it was like, oh. <laughs> it's even better. Oh, good deal. So the other three people <laughs> dressed like us at Walmart when we were there. Now that's not so awkward. Uh, okay. Yeah, you tuned in for this, folks. I don't know what you expected. So the, here we are on Halloween, and the reason I segued to that and went off the rails was we're we're at the end, depending on your organization, we're at the end of the 2023 shooting season. I think everybody kind of resets around now, give or take. And uh, what a year it's been. What a year it's been. Yes. So we, I don't know, we, we came back like we were coming back for this year to do another season, but I forget that we've done all three seasons this year. Yes. So it's like an 80s sitcom at this point. Yeah, they did that. Uh, or like a, like Beatles albums. I'm throwing a lot of TV reference, this one. Yeah. I'm going to go watch TV when this is over. <laughs> and probably 80s TV shows, if I know me. But it... 
lot of a lot of interesting things this year. So I thought I would take this opportunity to talk about some of my ventures this year. This has been probably your most successful without year a of without a doubt. This was the most successful year of shooting I have ever had. Competitively. Competitive yeah, shooting competitively. Um I mean shooting for fun, you know, or at deer or something like that. I've done a little bit. Well, better, I mean, but, you may have had more successful uh, bank years robberies. If, I've done a little yeah. better. But, you may have had more successful years if your your goal was, you know, something different. Well not, not winning. You know, I it was one of those deals of your wildfire laughing. Yeah, she's in laughing in the other room. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, we heard so much for this soundproof room. But no, it, it. I can honestly say, and I, I think anybody that has had a successful year is is. You don't really set out for that. You hope for that, but you don't set out for that. Or at least I don't think you do. Um, some of you probably do, and some some people's goals are different. I would. I I, I wanted to do well this year. And uh, but I want to do it well every year, and I've had some decent years, and I've had some poor years, and this year I just uh, I got quite lucky. Yeah. I don't know how else to say it than that. I was very fortunate. So I shot in in Cowboy Fast Draw alone. I think I shot eight matches this year, uh, eight eight titled titled matches. matches right. Uh, I shot of course several monthly matches in clubs, things of that sort. And but uh, as far as title matches go. I shot eight, and let me think. I won five out of eight. I got a second place. I got five firsts, a second, a tenth, and a dead last. Sure. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So if you average that, it's probably not all that great. So if you erase the dead last, it's not too bad, uh, I think. I was in placement every time but one. Except for that one. So, yeah. Yeah. What was that Indiana? No, nah, that was in Kentucky, but oh, that's a uh, uh, that's a whole different story. So yeah. we won't go into that. But it's uh, that was a technical issue. So, you know, a prophet is never accepted in his own hometown. Isn't that true? I read Isn't that, that true? But hey, it is what it is. But you know, not complaining. Now that being said, I did win pretty much every monthly match in Kentucky. So yeah. I guess I guess I made up for it with that, and. Went to a few places this year that we had never been. Uh, went to, uh, we of course, had the first ever Arkansas match this year, and that was neat. And got to meet a few folks there I'd never met before, uh, some legends in the sport. Got to, went to Michigan, which I, not that I'd never been to Arkansas, but never to a title event in Arkansas. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, well, no, I take that, never to a Cowboy Fast Draw title event. We did shoot an XFDA event there last year, and we're going to shoot one, actually, the day that this comes out, we'll be shooting one in Arkansas again. XFDA, so, yeah. Uh, that should. I'm, I'm looking forward to that, though. I'm. I think my winning streak is over <laughs> for the year because I'm not expecting to do well at this one at all. But that's another story. But went to Michigan again. Michigan again, and I've spoke a little bit about the Michigan match this year. That was gobs of fun. There were three matches in Michigan alone, and uh, now was that not? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't that the first? Indiana State? Yes, it was. Uh, and then, not to digress, but didn't you also shoot the first uh, Georgia State? No, because Georgia State did first, theirs last year. First one in Georgia. We did the first Arkansas this year. Yeah. We did the first Indiana this year. And then we did the first Georgia on their own soil. Right. So All CFDA matches. All CF, all, those were all CFDA matches. Yeah. So that was neat. 
to to get to see you know that growth the way that it went. Sure. And uh, but yeah, the Michigan match was great. We went up there in May, and they had a buttload of snow on the way, which is not how we may down here. And we've talked about that in the past. But I, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna go into spring, you know, do it right. It's all that's all I'm saying. Well, yeah, with snow uh, is not right. That's not right. So John Yolders, I'll this coming year, I'm expecting better. Uh, we'll see. But one thing that I that we didn't talk about up there that actually I guess happened a lot around the country and probably not a new thing anyway, is they had a poker game at the Michigan at the Michigan match. And I that was actually one of my favorite things about the Michigan match was getting to sit in this poker game. It was a you buy in, I can't remember what the buy in was, 20, 30 bucks, something like that. And you buy in and you get so many chips and it, all the money went for shoot for the stars. This was all done by old drifter and who did a phenomenal job. And, uh, we, oh, that was gobs of fun. Hmm. We sat around and, and, and played and I will say quick Cal and me were the only two that did not have to rebuy back into the game. Uh, but we didn't actually end up winning the game. So we'll let you decide who actually won, but that's whatever. <laughs> But I, from what I understand, those poker games around the country were like a major hit. Like he raised a ton of money for that. Oh, that's so, great. so that's that 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 was a great idea. That's something for everybody to think about. Uh, little little things like that because poker was obviously a, a big part of Western, you know, the Western cowboy gunslinger culture and stuff. And what a great way to work that in. So definitely, that was one of my favorite parts of of the shooting season this year. Another of my favorite shooting, uh, my favorite uh, memories of Fast Draw this year is in Georgia. This year, we stayed in the match director's home. This was Pale Rider and, and Brown Eye Girl's home. And I stayed there and my wife and, and Big Ugly from Virginia and, and, and I Be Nobody and Catskill Gene from Florida. These are all CFDA aliases. We were there for a CFDA match. And we stayed in this house, and a beautiful home out on a on a... 10 acre lake, something like just gorgeous setup. And, uh, you just walk out the door and start fishing. That's so, great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, we ate that up every morning yeah. before we went to the range. We, you know, me and big ugly were out there with a fishing pole before we ever put on a pistol kind of thing. And that was gobs of fun. So we, we, we shoot categories that day and, and how a lot of how the old custom in the East was to shoot all the categories and then start shootest, after that, which was, it's, it's a long day, but you, you start shoot us after that. And that's how they were doing it in Georgia that year. And we all decided we weren't going to shoot shoot us and didn't even want to be there anymore. So we all packed up and left as they were getting started. And next thing you know, people are wildfires taking pictures of us out on the lake and sending them to them while they're still up there shooting the match. <laughs> and we were gone and it was fantastic, but they have a beautiful 10 acre lake. And I decided I wanted to catch a catfish. And after an hour of trying, they came home and told me that there were no catfish in that lake. And I really know how to compute that. What kind of lake doesn't have cat? I mean, I live on a river here and I mean, this is river country right yeah. here in Kentucky. And I'm like that. I didn't like, if it rains significantly, the puddles will have catfish in them yeah. around here. So I didn't know how that would, I don't know. They said they seem to think that was normal. I don't think that's normal, hmm. but who am I to say? We have a catfish festival in yeah. the town just down the road. Oh, it's a every big deal. Year. Yeah, you know what we have there? Catfish. catfish. Yeah. yeah. Who knew? Yeah. Right? I'm just you know, get a clue. Huh. I don't know, but that's that's Georgians. just neither. I tell you, but 
You also uh, shot your very first Ohio fast draw. Ohio fast draw. Match. So just yes. about six, eight weeks ago, right? That was a wonderful time. So I was interested. I, of course, we had talked to Tony Wise, and friend of the show, a uh, great interview, and learned a little bit about Ohio Fast Draw, and which is is one of the older, or, I think, is the oldest sanctioning organization that we have left at this point. And uh, had read the rule book because I'm a rules hound, and really liked it. Really liked some of the format ideas. So we 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 cleared a schedule, and and went up there and got to meet some of these folks and. Man, it was a good time. It was a good time. I, I, we didn't get to stay. We had some issues come up, and we had to leave early. But we got to shoot their their open division match, which is you know, which was neat for me because I, I've been mostly exclusive to to CFDA in my my faster all shooting career. I've shot a cut, little bit of XFDA, a little bit of WFPG in the very early days at a at a local level, and. Uh, they were also they're all three so similar right there as to what you see on the older faster all shooting that you would see on the internet things of that sort and i got to see some of that equipment in use some of the the, the fanning guns and the you know i we just we don't have that in any yeah, of these there's other a lot of variety in so their matches so in the open <coughs> excuse me in the open division it was basically everybody just get what you got and put it on and we all just shoot it and uh, yeah. that was neat. So I here I am in my my CFDA setup, and beside me are folks and stuff that I'd only seen on the internet, and I got to watch them use it. So I was that was that was really educational. It was really fun and super people, great people. Uh, I look forward to shooting with those those folks again this coming year. Um, and I'll visit with everybody if I can, as long as I'm allowed, and maybe if I'm not, we'll see. Mm never stopped you before no i'm technically still not allowed in walmart locally but That's hey true. uh i'll go what are they gonna do kick me out <laughs> again again yeah you know but it's been a it's been an interesting year uh i think 2024 we're, we have some very different goals than what we have ever had before i think 2024 for us is going to be about seeing new things right Doing new things, uh, I just, I don't know. Uh, it, trying to rekindle it, let's say that. So I, I look forward to it. I think it's going to be an exciting season, and I, and I hope it is for you all. I hope that any of you that are listening to this, that are that are well into the fast draw culture, are making plans to go out and see things. Uh, your monthly matches, I mean, if that's all you can do, then do them. Uh Love them and 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 do them as often as you can. But if you have the ability to travel a little bit, get out there and do so because it's 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 very gratifying. Don't go out there with the need to dominate. Go out there with just the need to grow, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. All right, folks, all the way from Canada with us today, representing the WFDA, Sean Murphy, sir. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Nick. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Canada, way up there, right? Yeah, it's uh land of the polar bears and the uh, igloos. Good deal. Well, we knew they were stashed somewhere, so now it's nice to know where. So, yeah, for sure. Tell us a little bit about yourself, sir. Tell us uh tell us a little bit about yourself outside of uh being a fast draw 
competitor and tell us how you got into it. Sure. So basically, um, I've been married for about 38 years. My wife and I met at church when we were, I think she was 19 and I was just going on 21. Uh, we've got two daughters and I've got a grandson as of, as of about six months ago. I've always been self-employed. Um, presently, I run my own uh, appliance installation business. Before Fast Draw, I was um, heavily into for hobbies, heavily into hunting and fly fishing, and um, also did soundboard at, at my church on the side, and uh, always found a way to keep myself busy. But uh, as soon as I took up uh, Fast Draw, um, that sort of took over all the other hobbies, and pretty much the last 12 years, all I've been doing is Fast Draw. No, I, I understand that one completely. I had a completely separate life before Fast Draw, and it kind of it almost all dwindled away here. So, I, yeah, I, I can definitely relate with that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just have found there's only so much time and so much money to put into something, and I'm kind of a gas-on or gas-off kind of person, so if I go into something, I go full throttle into it. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, and I think that's a lot of us in this culture. Uh, and, and, and it almost has to be, uh, spe- you know, depending on the organization or maybe even not, uh, it just, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever the, uh, the, the culture calls for people in fast draw seem to just jump in it with both feet and caution to the wind. So I don't know, maybe that's why we all get along so well. So yeah, we be. did, we did talk to, uh, to Dan Qualls a while back. And uh, we'd like you to give us your spin on the WFDA. Tell us a little bit about the WFDA and maybe, which we'll get into some of the, uh, the, the gun laws later, but tell us a little bit about how it might differ in Canada. Well, sure. What I'll do first is I'll tell you how I got started in Pastra. Cool. Um, the way I started was when I was a kid, my sister and I, would um, kind of play fast draw together. And I had a one of those, you know, crank in half air rifles and also a little Crossman Remington style BB gun. And what I would do is I'd break a little piece of dog food kibble, stuff it in the end of the uh, air rifle and have the, have my sister hold it on me cocked. And I would see if I could outdraw her before she shot me with the dog food. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so that, that was my start. Then when I first saw Fast Draw in, well, probably in any form, was I think I was around 25 years old, which is, is you know, good 30, 35 years ago. And I saw the Thunderbird Fast Draw Club. I went to an outdoor show looking at, you know, hunting fishing gear. And, and the Thunderbirds were there putting on a demonstration. And they had their reaction booth set up, and and I just thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And and uh, did the reaction test. Everybody did the appropriate oohs and ahs, and you know told me was, how good that was, and come out to the club and all that sort of stuff. Move ahead about thirty years, thirty-five years, and uh, we moved to Langley from North Vancouver, and I'd remembered 
this was about 12 years ago and I remembered that uh, the Thunderbirds were out here. So just before Christmas one year, um, or the year we moved here, my wife and I decided to go out and, and watch them, what they were doing. And, and as soon as I saw it, I was hooked. I went and within two weeks, I had a couple of Ruger thumbing guns and a couple of holsters and, and the, and the hook, hook was set from there. Nice. Well, we and, get... and go ahead. Yeah, so the, the the growth into the WFDA was a natural progression for us because that's what the uh, Thunderbirds are are basically part of is the WFDA, and there's there's other than the fact that the Thunderbirds have been around for so long, and the WFDA is one of the older organizations. There's also um, rules behind what we can do in public in Canada when it comes to handguns. And one of the things we can do is we can shoot blanks. That's why all of our competition is in the summer. The Alder Grove Fair competition we have, we shoot blanks because we're not allowed to shoot projectiles, even if it's wax um, in a public setting. It's got to be at a gun range. And if we're not doing our competitions in the public, then we're not getting the celebrities out that we get that participate in the politicians and, and the overall exposure that we get from it. So... WFDA has been a good fit that way. Nice. And as as far as what was the what was the other question? I started to ramble there a bit. Well, just uh, just the WFDA in general here. Tell us, give us your spin on the WFDA as a whole. Sure. So so having been my first organization that I shot with, um, well, pretty much the only organization I've shot with. I was always exposed to the wide variety you have of you're either shooting blanks at balloons from distances five feet to, to 15 feet. Um, you're shooting double balloons with blanks and then you're shooting blocker targets. You're shooting silhouette targets. You're shooting round targets. Sometimes we've shot little square targets with wax and there's just such a variety that, that it's pretty hard to ever get bored. And, and that's basically the only thing um, that has stopped me really from shooting in other organizations is that, um, again, being gas on, gas off, I tend to get bored kind of quickly. So I need the variety. And that, that's why WFDA appeals along with, you know, it's a good group of people and and you know, I drag my wife around all the competitions, or I did at the beginning, and now she's a, a willing participant because she really enjoys the camaraderie between the people and 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 the social aspect of the sport. Nice, well, good deal. So now, this is a historical interview. Now, this is technically this is the beginning of our third season. As, as the Gunslinger podcast goes. And this is our first out-of-country guest. Uh, so you're our, you're our first... Uh, I, I don't know if this... Does this count as international? Well, of course, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, even though you're like, it's like calling next door, but yeah, still. Still. We live right on a time zone here, so we can literally drive east less than an hour and be in a completely different time zone. I really view this as a hell of a lot different than that, <laughs> quite frankly. A little bit. Uh, talking to, speaking with our Canadian friends here. 
but I I want to take this opportunity because this is this is different and, and ask some questions that perhaps people down here and especially those of us in the uh, the good old US of A in the southern US of A where we're known for our wisdom and intelligence and our open minds and ask some questions about Canada that maybe we have correct or that we do not have correct. And since you're a Canadian, you'll be able to help us with these questions. So question well, number one. Well, question number one. Is it true that Rush wrote the Canadian national anthem? They may have had some input into it. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think so. They should have. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think Getty Lee could have killed it on base. Yeah. I, I think our, our anthem's pretty good, but but it could use a little a little more of a bass line, I think. Well, there you go. That's why you needed Rush. Getty Lee would have just blasted it. Yeah. That's why we had to get Jimi Hendrix to write ours. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's how that went. I, you know, I didn't do well in high school, but I remember the, I, I know I remember hearing that. All right. Another question for you, sir. Sure. If you call Canadian, if, if you call ham Canadian bacon, what do you call like bacon? Bacon. Well, we, we basically, we call both of it bacon. Just one's better than the other. Well, I do agree with I, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, we're on yeah. board there. That's why we're allies right there. Um, and, and technically, Canadian bacon isn't ham. It's actually, um, using a hunting term, it's the backstraps. Oh, is that, that, are turned is that in, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, see, that I didn't know. So I, I didn't expect to actually learn real information here today. Well, so. I would think they would call it bacon, not Canadian bacon. I mean, we don't. No, we still call it Canadian bacon because really? we got to take pride in something. We, we, we don't actually have a lot of Canadian food that we can point at and go, oh, we did that. Well, you know, we do refer to American cheese. Yeah, you know, but it's, it's not it's even different. really cheese. It's like well, plastic. No. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we're not real proud of that one. Yeah. Uh, we'd like to call that somebody else. If you'd like that cheese... You can start calling that Canadian cheese, and it'd probably make us happier. So I just I'd have, run that up the flagpole in Canada, see if they want it. We'll probably talk. No, I think we'd have to pass on that because we we tend to not want to eat something that's shiny and about American cheese. Well, if you have to wrap each individual piece of it in plastic, it's probably not good. Yeah, I mean that's uh, it's like this cheese is going to give me an STD or something. You know, <laughs> that's not that's not good. All right, next question. Have you got one? So, so is it is it in your just general DNA as a Canadian that that you love hockey? Um, I'm I'm not a big hockey fan, but it is in my in my DNA, and and part of that DNA is you know if we were in my younger years and we might have got into say a scuffle in a bar fight. Part of the takeoff of the of the Canadian hockey is you learn to pull that sweater over somebody's head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've but heard, where I've... where the Canadian part comes in is is we're very forgiving. So after we beat the snot out of each other, we'll prop each other up and apologize and buy each other a beer and no hard feelings. 
Now, it, it honestly was that way in the South years ago. It was that way when I was growing up. And then something else that we create in America called meth came along and everybody <laughs> lost their friggin' minds. And uh, <laughs> so it's not quite so forgiving and friendly around here anymore. But yeah, we I still, I'm going back and blaming the cheese, yeah. the American cheese. It, 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 it's not really good. I mean, it's just not. All right. So if there was a Canadian Mount Rushmore, which ours is damn near there anyway, who would be on it? Well, that's a tough question. Oh, and by, and by the way, they can't be politicians. Because oh, wow. that, that would be boring. Well, you got to put Shania Twain up there. Okay. All right. I think America would back you on that I'm one. I'm okay with that. I think, yeah. I don't, I don't think we want her face, though. <laughs> but we'll come back to that. Who else? Uh, man, that's a, that's a tough question. We, we've got some really good local rock and roll musicians here. That that could do it, um, you know. Rush, they should be up there. Yeah, I mean that's that's three heads right there. If yeah. we wanted to count each one of them, but uh, maybe. Yeah, and I'm in total agreement. There there shouldn't be any politicians on permanently on a mountain. Uh, no, hanging from a tree, perhaps not on a mountain. <laughs> so. Let's, uh, you know, we'll, we'll break away from what are probably offensive Canadian questions. <laughs> probably. If we had to ask, but yeah, it's too late. We've yeah. already asked them. But, uh, I think it's worse, to be honest. So. But speaking of Canadian politics and things of this sort, so Canadian gun laws, uh, kind of a hot topic these days. Tell us a little bit about what is happening in the Canadian government and with with gun laws and and things of that sort how it affects how it affects fast draw and perhaps dangers that we as Americans down here should be looking at well when i first started what you had in order to get any kind of gun whether it's long gun or um, handgun you had to take a course to be able to get your possession and acquisition license so every firearm owner in Canada is pretty much licensed uh, to do that, has gone through a course and has also been able to prove safe handling and so on. Um, and also gone through, uh, to get that license, you go through police background checks. Um, at that point, we were still able to walk into, you know, Cabela's or Bass Pro Shops or, or the local gun store and you could buy handguns over the counter. Um, usually, the handguns had to be registered. The, the long guns did not. Um, what's happened within the past year or so is our government in their infinite wisdom has decided to, um, they're calling it a put a pause on uh, handguns. Uh, and what that means is uh, we are no longer to able to purchase, uh, transfer, or import handguns in Canada. Um, and what that's done for, I'll give you the Thunderbirds, for instance, is every couple of weeks we've got, we've got new people that come out 
and want to try fast draw and, and seem to really like it, but we have no way now to gear them up other than being able to buy holsters, you know, and have them shipped up. Uh, we've got no way to really repair our firearms anymore because they've also restricted the importation of firearm parts. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't even and, consider that. Yeah, yeah, and 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 believe it or not, it's actually the U.S. government that put big restrictions on firearms part after 9/11. So when 9/11 came out, it happened. Uh, the U.S. Um, put uh, laws into place that basically said we're not allowed to ship firearms parts into Canada through the mail or anything like that. Anything has to come through a uh, um, gunsmith or somebody who's, who's registered and licensed to be able to do that. Uh, we can't even, uh, you know, look at the Cabela's catalog and um, order a scope from Cabela's in the States and have them ship it up to Canada. Not because the Canadians won't allow it, it's because the Americans won't allow it to cross the border. Hmm. So, so basically what they did was all of the fast draw equipment I have has become uh, paperweight. I'm allowed to use it. I'm allowed to do uh, whatever, you know, I was able to do from the start, you know, go to competitions, go to the States with them. Um, you know, I, I got to get permits to do all that. But as far as passing it on, selling it, they, they're basically worthless now. Do you see, and I don't know, this is almost a loaded question. Do you see this laxing at any given time? You said they'd put a pause on it per se. What's the chances of them unpausing it? Well, part of that um, gun ban for handguns, they also included um, assault-style weaponry or rifles and assault-style-looking rifles. And then they tried to backdoor enter in a whole bunch of hunting rifles as being um, prohibited and wanted wanted to do a big gun buyback but there was a major it seemed like when the handgun thing came in nobody really made a big noise except for the handgun owners but soon as they started picking away at wanting to restrict what um, hunters can use uh, and and particularly a lot of the guns that they were going after was are used by the indigenous community for their hunting you know their their hunting and rights that they have and they kind of shot themselves the government shot themselves in the foot doing that and there was a major public outcry so that now um, they were supposed to start doing a gun buyback about a year ago for everything and now they have uh, postponed that until 2025 uh, which you know they call it a gun buyback but it's actually uh, gun confiscation, confiscation from law-abiding citizens. Yeah. And the scary part is, I honestly believe that the U.S. government is watching very carefully what happens in Canada, because I think they have the same idea from what I've been hearing from friends in the states of 
of the little ways they're nibbling away at your rights down there. I think the U.S. government has the same idea in the long run. Oh, I, I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think most of the folks listening here will agree, not all of you. Dependent, well, I'm not going down the political path, but <laughs> you be careful. You knew who I was about to say didn't believe it, so I'll let you all argue, you fools. But that, it, yes, I, I strongly believe, and I've honestly, I've felt this way for years. I think the ATF is is a absolute crime to even exist, let alone uh, be able to carry out anything. But you know, for for the government listening, I, I do not approve. Uh, especially if you screwing me out of my rights with my own tax money. But again, I'm going down a bad path. So yes, I, I think we, and, and all of you listeners out there, this is something that, you know, we need to be watching what is happening with the, with Canada and any other countries around us. And we need to be making sure that our people realize that, you know, if they get away with it, they're going to try it with us too. Why not? You know? I th- I think I think twenty years ago we would have bucked a lot harder. Now I just don't know. I just don't know. I think the American too too many of the Americans are too lax and too worried about it. Uh, too just not concerned about it anymore. I think there's been a neutering of the American spirit in my mind, which maybe is a different conversation well, that we're not having with a Canadian. But sure, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you you see it from your perspective. You're, you're looking at America, and if you think it's a danger, you've obviously seen a, a shift in our culture. Yeah, a hundred percent. And where I see the biggest shift in your culture and my culture is what um, the kids are being taught in schools now. Yeah. On on what on on what is their right or not their right. And, and what I see happening is they might not be able to take the guns from my generation. I think you're maybe one generation below me or even the next generation, but they're not going to have to. Right. Because we're, we're going to age out of, of gun ownership, basically, because, you know, as, as we pass away, less and less people are going to want to have guns and the kids coming up now, anybody seems like 25 and under has a whole different value system when it comes to uh, rights like that. You know, and I, I think, I, and I'm not going to use any party names. Obviously they're, they're somewhat different in Canada, but these parties it, suck it, at least way. here. Uh, there's not I, I'm even not, any beer. I'm not sure that there's a nickel's worth of difference uh, in the States between our parties, to be honest anymore. No. Uh, but, but they are very, very good at, playing the long game and that's that's exactly what you're saying it's like we can't take away guns right now but we'll take away the desire for to own a gun within three to four generations and they can absolutely do that yeah and they're they're probably pretty effectively doing that and we just we don't really realize it but but they're very very good at playing that long game of we'll get there eventually yeah, and and we, you know, common ordinary hardworking people seem to have all we can see is is what's in front of our face. We we don't even think in the long game for the most part. You know, we're we're not looking fifty years from now. You know, we're we're just basically out there slugging away, trying to trying to make a living and trying to 
support our families and and meanwhile i think there is bigger you know ideas and plans in the background that just make make it a lot easier for our government to control what the narrative and what's going on in the country yeah absolutely and yep. that, both both sides of the border so do you see that that this this pause uh that you're in right now could that shift with possibly a, a change in your your government leadership or is that i think i think it would temporarily change but ultimately, because if you, if you think about it from a voting percentage, you know, when, when you look at, you know, how many people are voting one way, how many people are voting the other way, it, we're basically divided down the middle presently from what I can see. Yeah. Two generations from now, that middle line is going to be shifted. Yeah, I, th- I think whether we the- like it or not. We're the same. We're the same here, I believe. Yeah. Well, these are uh, these are dark tidings, and uh, but I th- I think it's uh, I think it's salvageable in the long run if we push back hard enough. I think we I think we'll be all right. But till then, we have fast draw, and we're going to live it up the well, best we can as long as we can. You you guys have the benefit of having the tools in your toolbox to fight that because you have a constitution. And you have castle laws, and you have property laws that we don't have in Canada. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not so much just taking the gun. I mean, it's we we have so much other so much other benefit, you know, legally on our side until we lose it. Uh, we have that on our side as well. Well, I'm a firm believer that our Second Amendment secures all our other rights. Yeah. And without that, they can take away anything they want. Yep. And there's really, we have no recourse. Yep. So So, it's up to you guys. Well, we're going to do our best. Now, that being said, we've kind of gone down a a sad, a sad road here. So we're going to go back just a step. So I think I've got your, the, the rest of your spaces on your Mount Rushmore. (laughs) And we'll we'll top that off with this. So, some Canadians that perhaps we didn't think of. Apparently, Keanu Reeves, he's pretty cool. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. He would, he would probably shoot fast. I think draw. he was born in Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim yeah, Carrey. Was, Jim yeah. Carrey is Canadian. Ryan yeah. Reynolds. Yeah. Is Ryan Canadian. Reynolds. Deadpool. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's all right. Pamela Anderson. There's two spaces right there on the mount. <laughs> I didn't know she was Canadian. Yeah. Interesting. So you know, uh, there's there's a lot of good. Huh. So, but anyway, yeah, we're going to go down a wholly different road there now. Yeah. So, Sean, tell us a little bit about your your Fast Draw WFDA plans for 2024. Uh, my plans, I guess, for 2024 would be, um, up until this point, I've been pretty serious about when I'm at a contest, I'm, I'm in competition mode. And I want to start enjoying the competitions a little bit more and enjoying the people a little bit more. Amen to and that. Get, and get out of that competition mode so much that it, you know, ha- halfway through a lot of the competitions, I'm, I'm, you know, a bundle of nerves and wondering why I'm doing it to myself. But 
I always keep coming back. But yeah, that, that that's my goal is to enjoy it more. Find the the fun in fast draw again. You know, honestly, that yeah. is uh, that is one of my goals for twenty twenty four as well. So yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Well, and sir. As far as uh, yeah, go ahead. As WFTA goes, I, I'm I'm a, I'm wanting to be a little more big picture and not um, just concentrate on WFDA. I want to concentrate a little more on bringing all the organizations into a point where we're, we're concerned more about the longevity of fast draw as opposed to just our own little bubble that we're in. Sure. So roughly off the top of your head, and I know you're a, you're a long listener of the, the podcast and you can answer this question if you want, what's the rough numbers you would think of shooters in Canada? Of fast draw shooters in Canada. Well, in Canada, we're we're probably active shooters. I would say no more than forty. Yeah. And is that a decline or is that a steady number? What would you consider that for the last ten years? We'll say. I, I'd say we have declined in the past ten years, and unfortunately. Uh, some of that decline is because because of uh, you know the the tried and true older fast draw shooters that have been passing away, especially at the Thunderbirds. We've lost quite a few over the last couple of years, um, and now it's really hard to replace them. Right. No, I get that. Well. Um, the rest of Canada, there's a club. The only other fast draw club I know of is in Alberta, in the Calgary area, um, the Bear Paw fast, fast Draw Club. Um, and Nick the Quick, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Yep. Never he, met he him, obviously, to... but I've, I've read that name on the WFDA page several times. Yeah, he, he tried years ago to get a fast draw club going in Quebec area. And was totally locked out. It seems like uh, Eastern Canada doesn't want fast draw clubs to be made. Hmm. But yeah, Thunderbirds are still going strong. We get, you know, there's probably get half a dozen people out a month, maybe maybe a bit less, but you know, to try it for something to do. And you know, we do birthday parties for kids. And moms bringing the kids out. It's uh, we're keeping it alive in, in British Columbia, that's for sure. Well, that's good. Hey, every little bit helps. And yep. uh, as we uh, hopefully learn from learn from issues and continue to grow in, in the States, hopefully we can help it to rekindle in, in Canada and hopefully everywhere around the world where people enjoy this kind of thing. So... Uh, we just like to see everybody enjoy it the same way we do, and I know that's the general consensus from all fast draw organizations. And, uh, yeah, hundred percent. So, sir, we appreciate you calling in and and talking to us today, and uh, appreciate your time all the way from Canada. Uh, I expected you to say a a lot more, so I you know I learned something again today that maybe I maybe stereotypes are 
not quite as accurate as we think they are on television. Um, well, it might be because I've got a great big board in front of me that says, don't say A. Ah. <laughs> uh, see, censorship right there. Uh-huh. That's what that is. Okay. <laughs> Sir, we do appreciate your time and your good humor, and thanks for calling in. Folks, thanks for meeting us here in Season 3 of the Gunslinger Podcast. We promise to have some very interesting conversations this year. A lot of topics, a lot of discussion. Stay with us. 